today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You understand here that in the midst of this, at any point in time, he could have just gone ahead and vomited them out. He said, I'm done with you. But he comes out of his love for them, and he says, look, this is the situation you're in. You're, you're, you're at a point I want to I want to just throw you out. But I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, I'm, I'm counseling you. Come and buy from me in order that you won't be that way. He continues to have compassion on them. He continues to offer them opportunity. Yes, even the church of Laodicea, where there is nothing that they've got going right. God is a just God. He is patient and long-suffering. He loves us so much that He waits for us to come to Him instead of blotting us out like we probably deserve. Pastor David wants to encourage us to keep sharing the Lord. We may think that someone is a lost cause, but only God knows their hearts. We just need to keep showing them Jesus through our lives and praying that they'll come to the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. What an awesome gift to us to be used in such a powerful way. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 3 with today's edition of The Open Word. See, that's, that's the difference. And you say, oh man, God is blessing them because look at everything that they've got. And you see, that's the culture that is being taught in the church today. God wants you to prosper. God does want you to prosper in the spirit. In the spirit. But you know what? God is a whole lot less concerned about your physical well-being than you are. You say, ah, that's not true. No, it is true. Because he's a whole lot more concerned about your spiritual well-being than you are. You see how easy it is for us to equate the pleasure of God in our life when everything runs smoothly. Because that's the culture that we're in. And yet, beloved, I don't see that in the first century church at all. I don't, I don't see that in the book of uh, Hebrews in chapter 11. Those that, man, you know, I'm giving up the things of this world, and I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, regardless of what I have to go through. People who, for the faith, were willing to stand for the faith and, and, and have their, their, their bodies torn in half or be thrown to animals and say, oh, you know, but if, if God is pleased with you, that wouldn't happen to you. Everything would be fine. Everything would be wonderful. That's how God shows his love for you. Really? And does that mean that God doesn't love the believers in China that, that, that weep? Man, when the word of God simply read to them? No, I believe God loves them greatly. I believe that God loves them greatly. And I believe that we, literally as a culture, we have slipped 
into, I believe, a, a, a deceitfulness of the enemy. It says that as long as everything is running smoothly, you're okay with God. But how deep really is your relationship? Only you know your relationship with God. You know, I can, I can look and see all your smiling faces. You can look and see my smiling face. We think everything is fine. But only you know your relationship with God and how deep that really and truly is. It says, because you say that you're rich, because you say you've become wealthy, because you say that you have need of nothing, it's because of that that you don't realize, on a physical realm you say you've got all this, but you don't realize that in a spiritual realm you are wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. He says, I, I, I counsel you. He says, man, I'm... Can you imagine? Uh, you go looking for a counselor, you look up in the yellow pages or online for a, a counselor, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll try his counsel for a while, okay? He says, I counsel you. Buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. See, God wants you to be rich. Well, wait a second. No, understand where he's coming from. He's talking about a spiritual richness there, isn't he? He says, buy for me these white garments that you may be clothed. Hey, I, I've heard many messages. You know, God wants you to wear the finest and be the finest and drive the finest. Because you're God's kid. You're one of the kingdom children. And beloved, that, that's, that's being preached in pulpits all over America today. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying spiritually you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. You need to come to me. You need to be, again, receive that gold that's refined with fire in order that you might be spiritually rich, in order that you might be truly clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. He offers these things to them in order that they might be restored, in order that they, for some, maybe to be, even be redeemed, some of them to be healed. Do you understand here that in the midst of this, at any point in time, he could have just gone ahead and vomited them out. He said, I'm done with you. But he comes out of his love for them, and he says, look, this is the situation you're in. You're, you're, you're at a point I want to, I want to just throw you out. But I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, I'm, I'm counseling you. Come and buy from me in order that you won't be that way. He continues to have compassion on them. He continues to offer them opportunity. Yes, even the church of Laodicea, where there is nothing that they've got going right. That gives a lot of hope for all of us, doesn't it? He says, for as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. If he didn't love him, he would have puked him out a long time ago. But because of his love, because of his long-suffering, he's continued to call them to come back. Jesus loves the church at Laodicea. And he loves them so much to come and bring a performance review on them that is negative. Doesn't try and puff them up and say, yeah, but you know, hey, I love your buildings. You, you, gosh, you guys have done great with your building program. I don't think he really cares. Okay. 
He speaks to them as one who loves them enough to warn them, to warn them and to charge them to change their lives, to change their course before it's too late. And he speaks to them. He speaks of being zealous. Therefore, be zealous. He's speaking that idea of, of doing it quickly and doing it with a full heart. It's not the idea, well, yeah, I guess I, I guess really I, well, yeah, I think maybe, you know, I was kind of considering maybe sort of, maybe I ought to read my Bible more. Maybe I ought to be more committed in areas of my life. And what does he say? He says, be zealous and repent. That idea of zealous means that it is so important to you that you get it right that it becomes a focal factor in your life. It becomes a focus in the morning. I want today. Tomorrow is May 1st, right? May Fool's Day, so be careful. Uh, May 1st. Starting out today. You know, said, Lord, I wasn't near about on fire for you in April the way I should be. Let May be that time. Let me make that new commitment to you. I want to be zealous for you. I want to be seen as different than the world. I want to make my life count for you. He says, you need to be zealous, and the other thing is to repent. Repent can be a harsh word. It can be a harsh word when you don't want to let go of what direction you're going. When you don't want to let go of what you're doing. Repent actually comes to a point of a, a tearing, a ripping away. I mean, I know that we normally speak that repent is you're going one way and repent is to turn and go the other way. But you need to realize it's more than just going that way. It's what you're holding on to. It's what you're counting as dear. It's what, what is, what is passionate in your life. And you know yourself whether those things are of God and whether they please God or not. And when you need to repent, that means that there's a tearing away. I know that this is wrong, and it's going to hurt me emotionally. It's going to hurt me uh, uh, mentally. It's going to hurt me to let go of these things. But, Lord, I would rather be hurt for a temporary time in order to please you for all of eternity and to get my life squared around and directed. Are you willing to allow that tearing to take place in your life? That's what repentance is about. It's not just simply, I was heading west and now I'm heading east. Though that is part of it. If you're walking the wrong way, if you're going the wrong direction, you do need to turn around and, again, walk into the Lord. You need to make that decision now while you can. That's the other idea of being zealous about it. Do it now. Maybe it's not the thing. Don't wait until tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow's a brand new month. It's a great time to, but you know what? Maybe, maybe even right now, right now tonight, while we're sitting here, if the Holy Spirit is, is, is touching and pulling on your heart, you know what area in your life, the things that are, that are pulling you away from the Lord rather than drawing you closer to Him, to again, even commit with, with just between you and the Lord, say, Lord, I want my life to be zealous for you. I want my life to count for you. I don't want to look like the rest of the world and suddenly be lost in the things of the world and be lukewarm in my love and my passion for you. And you know what? We need to make that decision with a whole heart. Half-heartedness will get us nowhere. 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 It's got to be a whole heart. It's got to be a complete deal. Kind of like any of you guys ever go skydiving? 
Any of you purposefully ever jump out of an airplane? Okay, yeah. You can't do that halfway, can you? It's kind of like, okay, I'll throw my body out, but my feet are going to stay. That won't work. That won't work. But unless it scared the bejeebers out of you, which it probably did anyway, the great thrill was is when you released it. When you released it totally. And you know what? You will never know that in your life as a believer until you get there. Until you get there. Say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm tired of having one hand holding on to the things of the world, the security of the world. Well, I, I know, hey, you know, I, I've got this to fall back on. No, Lord, I just want to trust you. I just want to move forward in you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be like those that are, are believers who are in Saudi Arabia. They can't carry a Bible. They can't put a bumper sticker on their car that says, I listen to Grace 91.1. Hey, they can't do any of that stuff. In their lives, it's just got to be real because even their lives depend upon it. And they can't come into the comfort of a Bible study two or three times a week and enjoy the fellowship of other believers. Oh, I'm sure that they find other believers, but you don't dare come out and say, Hey, brother, are you a Christian? Because suddenly, boy, that, that could be your life right there. How passionate are we for the things? Or like Laodicea, we blend in with the world so much. Hey, we're rich, we're wealthy, we have need of nothing. He says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now I know that that verse is often spoken in, in a, in evangelistic way. That, hey, the Lord's on the outside of your life. He's knocking. He wants to come in. I understand that and I, 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 I don't lessen that but you need to see that in the context here Laodicea were believers but they had gotten lukewarm they weren't cold they weren't lost they were believers that had literally fallen out of fellowship with the Lord fallen out of fellowship some of you guys love having people just come over to your house and hang out just kind of come out and, you know, sit down, maybe have a cup of coffee, maybe throw on, you know, some sandwiches or you know, some dessert. You just, just kind of hang out and enjoy the company of friends. That's what I see here. He says, you know what? I want to come hang out with you. I, I want to be in your presence. I want to have that kind of a closeness, that kind of a relationship with you. I want to come in. I want to dine with you. And you with me, let's let's hang together. And the problem is, is for many believers, about the only time that you're hanging out with Jesus is on Sundays or Wednesday nights, or maybe even if another Christian is around. What about when nobody is around? Are you hanging out with Jesus? Do you, do you enjoy the sweetness of His fellowship, that desire of Him? In your life. It's a continuous faithfulness of the one who's called faithful and the true witness. But how long does he knock? How long does he knock on the door of our lives and say, I really want to have that kind of fellowship with you? 
Three years? Three decades? I don't know. We don't know how long his long-suffering is, do we? We speak of the long-suffering of the Lord. Well, how long is long-suffering? Well, sometimes, I know in our lives, we hope it's just a little bit longer because we're not ready yet. How, 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 how wide is his mercy? I hope it's just a little bit wider. How deep is his love? I hope it's just a little bit deeper. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. But where's the end of those things? You think that there comes a time, even in the believer's life, where we can shut the Lord out so much? I don't know. I'd like to say, oh no, there's never the time. There's never a time. You can always go back to the Lord. You can always go back. You can always enter back into that sweetness of fellowship. I'm not talking about a salvation issue because we we could go into that in a whole nother deal. And I don't believe it's a, a loss of salvation. What I'm talking about here is that fellowship and that sweetness of the presence of Christ in our life. I know a lot of people that on up in age who have been believers. And as they've aged, they've just kind of chilled on the things of the Lord. Instead of becoming hot for the Lord, they've kind of slipped into lukewarmness. Really? You would think that the experience and the age, the learning, all of those things, would cause you to draw deeper to the Lord. Why? Because I've seen the Lord work. I've tasted the Lord. I know He is good. I, I, I've been young and I've been old, but I've yet to see God's children beg for bread. You, you read the Psalms, you think, man, there's, there's a history there. You look at the history, even of the Apostle Paul. He says, you know what? In everything that I've been, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been, I've been stoned. I've been beaten. I've, I've been left out in the cold. I've, I've, all of these things. But then what does he say? He says, you know what? I've just learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. That doesn't happen overnight. That happens as we grow in the Lord. But what happens if we don't allow those things? You see, Jesus is knocking because he desires fellowship. He desires that kind of closeness in every one of our lives. He says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down on my father, sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus told his disciples in John sixteen thirty three. He says, "These things have I spoken unto you, in that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world." There's a multitude of things right now that in our lives as believers that continually come against us, that press against our Christian walk, the strength of our Christian walk, the vitality of our Christian walk, the depth of our Christian walk, the purity of our Christian walk, the truthfulness of our Christian walk. Man, the the world, our flesh, the enemy, there's, there's tons of things that are coming against it. When we're able to stand... In the midst of those things, you know what? We are overcomers. 
We are overcomers. And uh, to borrow the, the phrase from uh, AA, sometimes it is one day at a time. Because there's struggles that are going on in our lives. And we think, man, Lord, today it was a victorious day in you. And I am I'm an overcomer in you. Now, it is an attitude, it is a mindset, but it has to be a focus. And I know that, you know, we can get all ramped up and pumped up and, hey, we are overcomers, amen, yes, we are overcomers, amen, we are overcomers, amen, amen, amen. And we walk out the door and we get slammed in the face. It doesn't come by being pumped up. It comes by a consistency of heart and desire of life. So that even when you fall, you can be an overcomer because you get back up and you keep walking. And you keep walking. I can overcome even in the midst of that. Even when we've been knocked down by the press that's all around us, we can still be overcomers because our race isn't finished yet. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the heart, that's the mind, that's the attitude, that's the actions, that's the prayers, that's the focus, that's everything in our lives. Again, man, I want my life to count for him. And you know what? You've got to, to borrow a, uh, the saying from Rick Warren, you've got to do that purposefully, okay? You've got to do it on purpose. You, you've got to determine in your life, yes, I'm going to live for Christ. And, I, and I'm going to make those decisions that are going to honor him. And when I fail in that, I'm going to apologize, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to go forward again. And don't believe the lie of the enemy. John encourages, the Apostle John, he encourages in our battle against those things and against the battle of all of these things that are, again, just the the spirit of this world. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 and 6, he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Those things of the Spirit that are, that are coming against you, those things that would come against the causes of Christ, they're in the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. But we are of God, and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Little children, we are overcomers because Christ is in us. And we need to live as overcomers. So that when the enemy comes and presses, we don't listen. But we strive, we press into the things that God has for us. And when we fail, we move forward. We move forward. And with each victory, we're strengthened in that victory. And with each victory, we have, again, the recollection and the testimony of the greatness of who God is. And the fellowship of the Lord in our life grows deeper and deeper. He says in verse 22, back in Revelation, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Once again, looks like you all got ears. Let's hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. 
If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd love to pray for you, too, and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word.